to the riverfront. This is episode number 452 of the world's most dangerous podcast. I'm your host, Chad Dotson. This is, of course, the show where we uh, discuss the Cincinnati Reds and occasionally Quentin McCracken. Join me this week uh, after a one-week hiatus, but he's not giving you a hiatus on the Bengals talk. We'll mention that maybe a little bit later, but it's my guy, Nate. How are you, Nate? Boom. I am wonderful. Feeling good. Looking good. At least my mom said I was. I don't know if it's true. Ready to talk some Reds. Things, some, things actually happened this week, specifically as we're recording this. So, yeah, let's, let's dive right in. There is actually a little bit of news this week, so I'm excited to uh, to talk about that. We have not had any for a while. Before we dive too deeply into the news, let me just say, if you're watching on YouTube, hit that like button, smash the subscribe button. If you're listening to the audio version, subscribe, follow, whatever they call it, wherever you, wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Amazon, music, wherever. Um, you can probably get our podcast on if, if you have two tin cans and a string. I don't know. Just sub- subscribe to us. And then one last thing, just it, this show would not be possible with us without the support of our Patreon family. So feel free to join us. Patreon.com slash Riverfront Cincy. Nate, first uh, topic of the week, which is sort of a Reds-related topic, but not really. It is Dusty Baker. Dusty Baker, of course, the manager of the Houston Astronomicals. Houston. They won the World Series this week. And Dusty Baker... Uh, Finally won his first ring as a manager. Do you have any thoughts on Dusty Baker? I, well, let me just give you my thoughts briefly. Sure. Uh, I've said it here a few times. I think I was uh, uncharitable to Dusty when he was in Cincinnati. I think he, Dusty has lots of flaws as a manager. Uh, maybe those flaws are minimized in the current uh, age of, of analytics with the, with GMs basically telling managers what to do. But, uh, but either, he also has parts uh, of his uh, kind of – his. Dusty Baker voodoo, I call it voodoo magic that he's really good at. And uh, that's uh, managing a clubhouse and, you know, kind of getting guys to perform well over the course of a long season. So I do think I was a little bit uncharitable. I do think that we should uh, say that we appreciate um, the fact that the last time the Reds are ever going to make it to the play. Actually, they made it to the playoffs in 2020, right? That counts. But uh, that's last the last time in history that the Reds are going to make the playoffs in a full 162-game season was under Dusty Baker. So congratulations, Dusty. <laughs> Nate? I, I hope that's not true. Um, I was I was happy for Dusty. I think, uh, you know, his ability to impact the game is, you know, in a negative way, is certainly lessened when you're giving one of the greatest rosters ever assembled. Um, when a team can let Carlos Correa walk and – have the World Series MVP replacing. That's pretty cool. But I think that you uh, probably are not a baseball fan if you weren't at least happy on some level for Dusty. He, he deserves to get that ring as a coach. He's coming back next year, so he might get another one. And they have to be the favorites for sure. And I don't know, after, uh, you know, back-to-back World Series, I say we just run him out for president, 2024, Dusty Baker. Oh, sign me up. I will uh... – be happy to donate to that campaign. No, you know, Dusty, whatever. It's the Astros. Everybody hates the Astros, and I get it. That's fine if you, if you hate the Astros. Uh, but I don't, I'm, I'm, happy, I'm happy for Dusty. I'm happy for Dusty. That's all we're going to say there. Now, you mentioned, Nate, that we have a little bit of news this week, and that is quite true. Uh, but before we get into that, I do have to ask, one of the fun things about, you know, not having some news at, at times during the offseason, we, try, we come up with some goofy little things to do. And one of our favorite uh, – 
you know, kind of trending topics here, basically, or, or recurring topics, I think is a better term, uh, is that uh, we like to talk about obscure former Reds. So last week, uh, Chris and I, Chris Garber and I did the obscure former Reds draft. And I just, if you haven't listened to it, go back and listen to it. I, I had a ton of fun. Chris had a lot of fun. Nate, did you get a chance to listen to that? Yeah, I, uh, I laughed out loud as soon as I heard the word Dennis. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was, that was great. In my car, it was hilarious. And I have to say that I side with Garber on Rich Aurelia. Really? As soon as he said it, I was like, oh, yeah, of course I remember Rich Aurelia. But if somebody had just asked me on the streets, did Rich Aurelia ever play for the Reds, I'd have been like, huh, I don't. Maybe? No, it was, uh, it was a hilarious episode. Um, no no two better people to discuss that particular topic, that's for sure. Well, that's sort of the definition of an obscure former Red Right. Oh, oh yeah, that guy. You know, that's sort of what we were talking about. So I still think that uh, Tim Fortunio uh, was should have won me the won me the draft. But anyway, it was fun. If you haven't listened to it, go listen to it. Over on our Slack channel, this is not a, a viewer mail question, but over on our Slack channel, I want to identify this is the first time anyone's had, had an interesting comment on our Slack channel. So I wanted to make sure to highlight it here. That's actually not true at all. But if you're a, if you're one of our Patreons, one of our patrons at Patreon, patreon.com slash Riverfront Cincy, um, a couple bucks a month, you get to join our Slack channel. We, we have some fun times there. It's not all reds. We talk about all kinds of things on there. Nathan Connor's comment uh, just today, I think, was this. Anyone who doesn't watch the Reds next year is robbing themselves of intimate knowledge of a major crop of future obscure former Reds. As a result, prepare yourself to miss out on some laughs in 20 years. <laughs> he says, you got to play the long game, people. Yes, yes, Nathan, exactly. That's, that, that is, if you're looking for op- reasons to be optimistic, that is. That's why you want to watch next year for the future obscure former Reds. Another one of our awesome patrons said he's been playing the long game for 52 years. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, waiting, waiting for some kind of payoff. Uh, go Reds. All right, we do have some Reds news, so let's get into it. The first news of the week that uh, we're going to mention just happened today. We recorded, as we always do, on Thursdays. And uh, actually, I'm skipping. I'm, I, I buried the lead. Let's talk about Nick Crawl first. Do you know Nick Crawl, Nate? You remember that guy? Unfortunately. Handsome He's the general fella, manager. Right? Handsome fella. His last name. Rhymes with Hall, which is, you know, I'm not going to beat that joke to death. I, I see the uh, the Simpsons gif, you know. Uh, stop, stop, he's already dead. Um, Yeah, Nick Crawl's the, the general manager of the Reds, who, again, let me say off the top, Nick Crawl did a fine job at the trade deadline getting those Halls. Uh, I'm, I'm joking about that word, but he did do a fine job. I've acknowledged that many, many times. But we have also, uh, it's been a recurring theme here on the show, and probably it's the reason why uh, I'm a, a part of the reason anyway why I'm persona non grata in the hallways of Great American Ballpark, as I've learned in the last few weeks. Um, Nick Crawl gave an interview because he's at the general manager meetings, and Nick Crawl has this. Uh, again, I talk about a recurring theme. He has this history where he's uh, he's bad at talking. And I think that actually was the uh, title of one of our episodes. Nick Crawl is bad at talking. We can argue about Nick Crawl's ability as a general manager or whether he's just been put in an awful spot. I think he's done some really dumb things. I think he's done some really good things. I think he has been put in an awful spot. So we can argue and debate that to time immemorial. No one can agree or can argue that Nick Crawl has no business 
kind of being the PR guy or the spokesman for this team. So, uh, Nate, I'm going to give you a couple of his quotes from the uh, general manager's meeting. Meetings, they're out in, uh, in Las Vegas right now. And I want to know what you uh, what your takeaway is. First one is this. We're pretty much where we are talking about the, the financial flexibility to make additions that could improve the roster. We're pretty much where we are. We've got a range, but we're trying to figure out how we can make this team the best we can. We're talking to every team and agents and trying to figure out what our options are. Now, did he say anything there? What? What's he saying there? <laughs> anything? If he, if he did, I'm I'm not sure what it was. Um, pretty much are where we are. I mean, yeah, that's how existence <laughs> that's, that's how existence works. <laughs> uh, little, maybe maybe his think... next quote. Well, go ahead. Okay. No, 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 please. All right, I was going to say, maybe his next quote will clarify things for you, Nate. We struggled across the board and lost 100 games, he said. We struggled across the board and lost 100 games. We need to make sure we're doing everything we can to make this team better, whether it's incrementally or if we can make a larger move to figure out what that is. We're just trying to figure out how to get better one day at a time. I'm going to repeat that one because this is a, this is a good one. We struggled across the board and lost 100 games. We need to make sure we're doing everything we can to make this team better, whether it's incrementally or if we can uh, make a larger move, to figure out what that is. We're just trying to figure out how to get better one day at a time. I'm just starting <laughs> to kind of feel bad for the guy. <laughs> I know, right? I can't imagine he, you know, pops up off the pillow in the morning with a big smile on his face, you know, bopping into the office. Like, hey, guys, you ready for a great day? Oh, here's okay. Look, now we can parse those words. It's a bunch of mumbo jumbo, as uh, someone said on Twitter. Um, it's just, it's, uh, it's, it's nonsense words. It's just words. I mean, uh, there's no reason to parse it. It's him trying to say nothing while using actual words, which is what every general manager does uh, often. You know, at times you're always just basically trying to talk and say nothing because, you know, you can't always tell the truth. Nick Crawl can't tell the truth. I just, I know the Reds are kind of in, uh, you know, cut uh, payroll mode or, you know, cut uh, overhead mode. And I'm not suggesting that they should hire me because I know that's not going to happen in a current ownership. Um, but they should hire someone whose only job is to interpret Nick Crawl. <laughs> Just let Nick Crawl talk to him, that to to whoever the, the interpreter is, and let that person speak to the media at a press conference. Yeah, like the like the White House press secretary. Get up there, <laughs> be the be the mouthpiece. I was thinking. I was thinking even more of. Uh, I think you're. I think that's exactly what they what they do need. And but I just like the, vi the visual of Nick Crawl sitting next to the guy and kind of leaning into his ear and whispering. <laughs> or Nick Crawl actually like, at the podium beside. Right. It. I love yeah. It. Or 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 Nick Crawl sitting somewhere else, like at the United Nations, and everyone's got their headsets on. And when he talks, it goes into the interpreter's ear, and then he speaks in uh, English. Um. Or Spanish, or you know, Japanese, whatever. I don't know where they're where our uh, reporters are from, but uh, someone to just uh, kind of help us comprehend what he's trying to say. Again, if you want to argue that Nick Cross graded his job, that's fine. Do that. I disagree. I don't think he's the 
he may be the worst general manager in the base. I don't know. I don't know that we have a fair. We have. I don't know that we have enough to go on to, to really truly judge him because of how of how handcuffed he's been. Uh, I think he's probably below average. But on the other hand, what we did what he did at the at the trade deadline, he tossed that into his uh, his his column. But man, the guy can't talk, and he just it just makes my head hurt every time. So again, I'm not suggesting it's me. I am suggesting it should be me. Uh, but uh, but find someone to talk. A, a press secretary. Just get a press secretary. You know, these press secretaries are leaving the White Houses you know, every year or two. There's a dozen of them just hanging around all over the place from different administrations. Go grab go grab you one or two. All right. Anyway, Nate, that's my rant. Yeah, I don't know what more needs to be added. He has to say something. He knows he's going to get raked over the coals for, you know, any action or inaction for the most part. So you got to say something. I think he wants to lower expectations. If he keeps going out there and sounding like a moron, then nobody expects greatness from him. No expects peaks. <laughs> they just become accustomed to the valleys. Well, we do have a, uh, a viewer mail question here that kind of uh, talks about what he was maybe trying to say. And this comes from uh, Kyle Kapler. Again, all the viewer mail questions come from our friends at patreon.com slash riverfront That's patreon.com slash riverfront sensei. It's the fourth time I've said that this uh, this episode. But that's where you two can support this uh, crazy, crazy uh, pirate ship. Kyle Kapler asked this. Kroll said that the Reds have, quote, a little payroll flexibility for offseason moves, as reported by the Cincinnati Inquirer. I basically know what you're going to say. Kyle, you've been listening for a long time. You're, you're a longtime friend of the show, and so you probably do know what we're going to say. But how do you read this statement from him, that the Reds have a little payroll flexibility? Here's how I, here's how I and maybe this is what Kyle thinks we're going to say, but I read it the same way that it's been just about every offseason for the last, what, 20 years as a Reds fan, and certainly for most of the offseason since the 2010 to 2013 run. A little flexibility just means they're going to be able to bring some guys in on flyers, some uh, you know minor league contracts, maybe some guys on a one year deal, the Tommy Fam types, you know, to come in and uh, or Brandon Drury's uh, to uh, to flip. The fact of the matter is, there's nothing you can do with a little flexibility that's going to turn this 100 loss team into an actual contender. There's just not. And so, if you're not going to make any big moves, then Okay, you know, make some moves around the edges, I guess. I think there are ways you could really improve the team, not to be a winning team necessarily, but I think there are things you could do without spending even a ton of money. Uh, and we're going to get into some of those things in the offseason. But I, just, I think that's what he's saying. We got, yeah, we'll have a little money because we have to we have to pay forty guys on our on our forty man roster. So uh, so we're going to spend some money on those guys. Uh, you know, not real money, obviously, but that's what I think he's saying. Nate, anything to add to that? There will be nothing to be excited about. In the offseason, um, we saw the blueprint last offseason, um, minus the you know fire sale of actual likable players. But like you said, the juries, the Tommy fans, um, hopefully not the Mike Miners. There will be signings like that. They're going to have to spend a little bit of money. You're going to get one one-year deals, and it's going to be a carryover year. The season will probably not be fun from a success standpoint, though there is going to be a ton to watch. And – if you acknowledge that Nick Carl did a good job at last deadline, then uh, you know, it could get exciting this next season watching what he's able to do with some of these one-term deals, one-year deals. Uh, right. That's all yeah, we got. Not, 
that is all we got. Whatever it is, what it is. This is this is the uh, cross that we have to bear, and uh, we've chosen this life. We've chosen this team, and uh, we say it's not going to be a lot to watch next year in terms of actual baseball, but. Uh, in terms of fun baseball, they're not going to win that many games probably, but that doesn't mean we can't have fun. We've already been having fun uh, this offseason and and even most of this past uh, garbage season. But, uh, you know, when I think about next season, I don't think about who are they going to bring in because I just don't see it. I don't see whatever payroll flexibility. I don't see them bringing in anyone that's exciting at all for any Reds fans. My excitement comes to some of the young guys. And, you know, do we get to the point where we get to see Ellie De La Cruz next year? What about Noelle Marte, you know, mm-hmm. uh, further further uh, – you know, assume, uh, presuming knock on, knock on wood, presuming uh, health. You know, further development for Hunter Green and, and Nicola Dolo and Graham Ashcraft and Tyler Stevenson and Jonathan. I mean, they're. I'm excited about some of these guys. I'm not excited about the Reds yeah, team, sure. but there are there are elements that I'm excited about. So, but and we none, will none come to payroll. Go ahead. Yeah, come, come spring training, we will talk ourselves into. But well, if you just squint a little bit, if we just get a <laughs> career year from these 13 guys. We'll talk ourselves into this being a potentially fun season. And, you know, if somehow Ellie De La Cruz and Marte and, you know, Encarnacion Strand and some of these guys get on a similar timeline, they start hitting the cover off the ball down there. That's something to be pumped about. It's a spring training tradition unlike any other. Squinting our eyes <laughs> and trying to talk ourselves into the fact that the Reds are going to be good. And, yes, we probably will do it again next year. It's just, uh, you know, something we do here at the Riverfront. All right, so uh, also in the news, that's enough about Nick Crawl. There's not much we can say because, again, he didn't say much. But uh, there was more actual news this week. The Reds uh, did acquire a player. And so maybe this is the, the payroll flexibility that we're talking about. The Cincinnati Reds have acquired Nick Solak from the Texas Rangers in exchange for the always important cash considerations. Cash consideration. Now, Nick Solak, uh, and I guess I'll just uh, – Say this off the top, um, Nate and I got a text earlier from uh, from uh, one of Nate's good friends that I've gotten to know here recently, and was like, "Oh, this is a good this is a good signing for you guys." And I think in some ways, yeah, he's a it's a he's a perfectly cromulent utility type guy that I don't know makes a whole lot of sense on the Reds next year because you know he seems like the type of guy that you would plug in on a good team. He could really help a team playing around. Uh, got a little bit of pop in his bat. Uh, missed most of the 2022 season with a broken foot. Uh, you know, he was, a, I think, a second-round draft pick of the Yankees and had put pretty good numbers in the minor leagues, but he's going to be 28 next year. He uh, His value comes that he hits the ball hard, um, although on the ground too much, as Doug Gray noted at, uh, at RedLegNation.com. But uh, but his stat cast numbers are, are pretty good. He's pretty quick. Um, so can, has played first base, second base, third base, center field, left field, and played right field in the minor leagues as well. Uh, he's a guy that I want – to have on my team in general. Now he's going to be forced into a, a more important role probably with the Reds than he would be otherwise. But for a guy that the Rangers were essentially probably going to uh, have to non-tender because they have because it's 40-man roster time, you know, uh, uh, this doesn't move the needle for the 2023 Reds. But I'm happy to have the guy. I don't have any issues with it. Nate, any thoughts about uh, about this guy? Well, this is exactly the kind of guy we were just talking about. These are the signings that uh, are going to happen. Um he could have a bounce back here. He looks a whole lot like Brandon Drury on paper, maybe a little bit faster. Um, my only real problem with this is if he takes at bats away from my boy Lejo Lopez, <laughs> I'm going to boo this guy off the spring training field. Free Alejo. Uh, you know, we may, really may need to start a uh, 
some sort of a campaign here. And not because Alejo Lopez is a superstar in waiting, but he's not. With this team, he's fun to watch. You know, a little slap hitter gets on base. The ball. And I got a quick quick question for you. Um, you mentioned that he is a prolific ground ball hitter, Nick Solak. Um, with a shift likely getting banned or getting banned, do you think his game might play a little bit more? Because they won't be able to stack the box against him per se. I guess we'll have to see, and that's one of the things to watch with the uh, the anti shift movement that, that's that's going on. That you know, with the shift, it became you got to get launch angle, get the ball in the air, and uh, and there's still going to be that. Obviously, I think you're getting the ball in the air. You're even before the shift was even really a thing. Getting the ball in the air was a, a better way to uh, to be productive at the plate. But yeah, maybe and, and again, maybe maybe that helps Alejo Lopez as well. You know, um, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I really, if, if Nick Solak's on the Reds in 2010 or 2012, or even 2021 uh, when they uh, won 83 games, I think it's a, he's a good, he, he fills a real role on, on a good team. His value here may be just be that then he gets somebody to chew up some at bats and hopefully create some value. And you, know, you mentioned Drury already. And then flip him at the trade deadline. That may be the best. Uh, but still, that's good business if they can get that done in a year where they're not going to win. I don't, have, I don't have any issues with it. I thought, I'm, waiting, I'm waiting for you to tell me what issues you have with it, Nate. Sorry, you had none. Um, I had none. I mean, you can't <laughs> get, mad, get mad about a guy that's virtually free and under team control. If he does bounce back, then. Oh, I love how we have to, you know, analyze in minute detail signings that most teams wouldn't even, most fans of most teams wouldn't even notice. But anyway, I, I yeah, can't use anything. To get... I can't criticize Nick Crawl at all on this one, so I'm ready to move on. As I said, it's hard to get too excited about a player that the uh, Rangers, who also did not make the playoffs last year, were willing to let go for nothing. So, Not for nothing. For cash, cash considerations. considerations. Thank you. All right. Uh, also in the news this week, uh, the Reds uh, have only acquired the one player, but they did say goodbye to a few players. Five Cincinnati Reds. Actually, it turns out six, but originally five Cincinnati Reds were declared free agents as their contract expired with Cincinnati Reds. These are, uh, and Godspeed to each of these, we barely knew you, Chase Anderson, Justin Wilson, Austin Romine, Donovan Solano, and the immortal, the man, the myth, the legend, Hunter Strickland. There's one more name we'll talk about in a moment, but Nate, which of those guys, Hunter Strickland, Donovan Solano, Austin Romine, Justin Wilson, and Chase Anderson. Which one of those are you going to miss the most? Close uh, runner-up. The contender here was, uh, I'm, I'm going to miss making fun of Hunter Strickland. I enjoyed, you know, if the season was going to be terrible anyway, at least he was there as sort of a whipping boy. Um, I won't miss actually seeing him take the mound, though, unless we're really, really pushing for that 102 loss season. I think that I would love to have seen Donovan Solano stick around, and perhaps he still may in some capacity. I know that he is older and not likely to contribute to the next good Reds team, but it seemed like him and Jose Barrero had developed some sort of relationship there towards the end. I saw a lot of uh, mentoring going on in the dugout, so if, if that was going to be a positive impact for Jose, then that's enough reason to bring him back in my book. Yeah, no, I would have. I would have had no problem bringing Solano back. He is going to be thirty-five next year, but he was, you know, he was okay before, you know, when he when he returned from injury in the second half of the season. Uh, hit two eighty-four, three thirty-nine on base, 
uh, played 80 games. So yeah, whatever. I mean, again, and he may, he may come back. Who knows? The other guy that uh, I would maybe mention is Justin Wilson. You know, Justin Wilson came over in 2021 and I almost forgot he was a red because he had Tommy, Tommy John surgery uh, early in this season and, and was out. So I hope he comes back uh, healthy and pitching for someone, maybe the Reds. I, I, I liked him as a reliever, had no issues with, with Justin Wilson. Um, again, we're analyzing in minute detail things we shouldn't be, but Austin Romine is the type of guy who, you know, he, he hit 147. He was not great, but the Reds are going to need a veteran catcher to sort of be, be the, the, the catching duo with, uh, with Tyler Stevenson, whether it's Romine or someone else, the Reds need Reds. Reds are going to need that. So that's all I'll say, uh, except that all these guys, we've made fun of some of them. We're, you know, continue to make fun of them. But I will say that these are five guys who uh, were paid handsomely for their efforts, but uh, they didn't try to suck. They tried their hardest for the Reds every single day, and I wish them all the best. Godspeed. Nate, there's one other person that the Reds uh, decided to cut bait on this week. Speaking of Nick Crawl. Remember, remember last year when Nick Crawl freaked out after giving away everybody, and then and then panic signed Mike Miner. <laughs> that was a fun I time. I, I don't remember it fondly. That was a fun time this offseason. Well, the Reds uh, decided not to pick up the team option on Mike Miner, and so he will be a free agent. Mike Miner, of course, will be 35 next year. Uh, I talked about maybe. Re- Retiring, I don't because you know he was hurt at the end of the year. The Reds have to pay him one million dollars United States legal tender to go away. That's one million dollars. But there is, there is a uh, before you get into all your fond memories of Mike Miner. There is one good thing in the trade with Mike Miner. Now here's a good piece of business by Nick Crawl. The Royals sent five hundred thousand dollars to the Reds. if the team opted to decline the option. So the Reds only have to pay $500,000 for Mike Miner to go away. So, uh, Yahoo. Mike Miner, we barely knew you. What do you think, Nate? Still not Johnny Cueto. We'll never be. Never, never look back to the Mike Miner era fondly because of what it could have been. Could have been Johnny Cueto and a lot of fun. Alas, this is where we are. Um, so uh, should we – I think that the Reds' 40-man roster now is 40. That, that Getting rid of Mike Miner, dumping Miner, put the 30-man ro- 40-man roster down to 39, and then um, uh, Nick uh, – what's his name? Nick Salakos. Nick Salakos is what I'm going to call him. Uh, he's the 40th man, so they have a full 40-man roster. It's going to be interesting to see what the Reds do in the coming days because they're going to have to – protect some guys from the Rule 5 draft. So there should be, by the time we're back next week, there should be some more transactions for us to discuss. Uh, That's just about it in terms of uh, news this week, I think, Nate, Uh, unless you have something else that I have forgotten. Not really. I hope that there is a lot of action happening soon. I mean, free agency started today, right? So, or tomorrow when people are, yesterday when people are listening to this. So hopefully some dominoes will start falling. Oh, and there's some big names out there. I don't expect the Rays to be the Rays to be involved in any of them. But you know, if they decide to take a flyer on a, I don't know, like a Jacob Degrom type, that'd be fun to talk about. <laughs> yeah, just take a flyer. That's right. I'm with just you one, on that. Just a um, one-year deal, just to see if he can build his stock back up. 
<laughs> yeah, dare to dream. Here's my dream is that uh, Bob Castellini wakes up, uh, you know, tomorrow morning and says, wait a minute. I forgot. I don't like all this losing. And decides, let's go sign all the free agents. That'd be fun. That could happen, right? You never know. Certainly within the realm of possibilities. Uh, well, Nate, before we get into some more of our uh, viewer mail that we've already started, I do want to ask a, a couple of things. Uh, do you know anything about True Classic Tees, Nate? Oh, I know all the things about True Classic Tees. Um, support for today's episode, in fact, comes from the good folks over at True Classic. And yeah, let's let's talk T-shirts. Finding that perfect fitting shirt can be terrible. I swear the thing is either too tight too loose or just plain big and boxy making you look like a refrigerator nobody wants that luckily true classic wants to make every man look and feel good tighter fit in the chest and sleeves to make your arms pop and room in the torso to keep things cozy i'm telling you all the styles are super soft so, so can't say that we're super soft and at a great price for what you're getting so no excuses get rid of those ratty t-shirts i know you've been hanging on to for years and get ready to upgrade. And to do that, we have an exclusive deal for our listeners. And we want to hook you up for a limited time only. Get 25% off with the code Riverfront at trueclassic.com. That's one word, Riverfront. And just so everybody knows, full transparency, I've been wearing True Classic tees and their workout gear for nearly three years now. And I simply do not get my t-shirts anywhere else. You know, we wouldn't be telling you all about them if we didn't strongly believe in the product. I'm wearing one right now and have been in nearly every episode of this podcast. So get comfortable, get going, and upgrade your wardrobe with True Classic and get that 25% off with the code Riverfront at trueclassic.com. Or you can go to trueclassictees.com slash Riverfront. And that's right. Last thing I'll say is that I only started wearing them a couple of years ago, and now it's the only T-shirts that I wear. So um, get trueclassictees.com slash Riverfront. Thank you all for supporting uh, this wacky, wacky show, the world's most dangerous podcast. Now, Nate, uh, the the uh, the Bengals, the Riverfront Bengals show is not the world's most dangerous podcast. I noticed that you've been uh, clarifying for for viewers in recent weeks, but uh, you all had some midseason awards there this week that were uh, were kind of fun. I just want to recommend anyone if you're like the Bengals and after the great win last week and got the bye week coming up, it's a fun time to. Kind of tune in. Go to the Riverfront Bengals show. You can find that anywhere you get your podcast as well. Nate, any thoughts on, on the Bengals show with you and Joe? Y'all are having a good time over there. We are having a great time over there. It's a um, little bit different than this one. We try to get a little little kookier, a little more, I don't know, flagrant. We uh, we, we just pour a glass of wine and, and have some fun with it. So, yeah, if anybody is also a Bengals fan, at the worst-case scenario, we can promise you a few laughs and definitely at least one live look. I shouldn't say live because that's – the exact opposite of the truth of Olivia Newton-John every week. <laughs> Olivia Newton-John? What? Tell me about it, stud. Oh, are you kidding? Oh, my goodness. Yeah, it's a mess over there. It's a blast. It's fun. It's a, it is a little more uh, – it pushes the envelope a little bit, and that's good. That's fun. I'm glad you, you and Joe are doing a great job and literally gets more entertaining every single week. So go check out – the Riverfront Bengals show. All right, let's go to some viewer mail. Now, last week, we, as we said, we did the obscure former Reds draft, and we didn't get a chance to get into any viewer mail questions. So there's some viewer mail questions from last week that are left over that I want to uh, go. We'll go ahead and cover them this week. The first is actually specifically directed to Chris Garber. 
who is not here this week. He was last week, but I'm going to read it because I don't understand a word of this question. And I'm, I'm going to need Chris Garber to, to weigh in on Twitter or somewhere to let us know <laughs> what the answer is to this. This is from Seth Shaner. Seth says, glad I caught you here, Chris. Oh, sorry, Seth. You, you just missed him. I'll be on the call of the Olentangy Liberty football game at Dublin Jerome this week. Uh, since we can't get the coach to call us back, what are your thoughts on the chances Steve Hale's Patriots have against the Celtics, pronounced Celtics? Also, do you have anything you'd like me to work into the broadcast? Perhaps the name of an obscure former Red. Nate, did you understand more than four words of that question? Is Dublin Jerome a character in a Guy Ritchie movie? <laughs> Sounds like it. Sounds like it. He and Bullet Tooth Tony are, uh, are, are <laughs> having a... Uh, Trying to uh, some kind of a scam. Um, yeah, that's a <laughs> that is no, a I've, question. No <laughs> I love that uh, you're doing some high school football. You know, I've done a little bit of high school broadcasting myself. myself never football. I always refuse to do football for them, but I've done uh, basketball and baseball and uh, and softball, as a matter of fact, and had a good time doing those. So I hope you're having a good time with that. Uh, Seth, uh, toss us a link where we can listen to you. Love to check it out. I, I, I missed the, I missed the. Olentangy Liberty football playoff game at Dublin Jerome, but hopefully there'll be a, another one coming up soon. So let us know. Um, next question from Hooper Powell. Hooper said, did Corey Patterson really date Dusty's daughter? And if so, which Astro is dating her now? All right, look, this is a bald faced lie. It's a rumor that got out of control. Dusty's Baker's Dusty Baker's daughter never dated Corey Patterson. But that was the moment when I knew the internet was over, that the internet had long since, uh, uh, its usefulness had long since uh, passed. When people would joke on the on the interwebs about the only reason Corey Patterson is in the lineup is because he's dating Dusty Baker's daughter. And that actually gets printed in the Inquirer to, uh, to um, you know, rebut that, to fact check that dumb internet rumor. Oh my goodness. Uh, it just, it's glorious and... I need to go find that. Uh, I presume you remember that uh, that glorious moment in time, Nate. Yeah, the internet is undefeated and always will be. But we have to get to the meat and potatoes of this question. And who is she dating now? I don't know how old Dusty Baker's daughter is, and I refuse to look it up. Um, I think uh, Jeremy Pena should be a strong candidate. But I'm personally rooting for a little uh, Justin Verlander, Kate Upton, Love triangle situation that could be fun in the Houston tabloids. So there's your rumor. I love it. I love it. Um, all right. Also from last week, let's, uh, I, I probably could have done a little bit of research on this, but, but again, that would be against the brand of the show. Rich Thompson asked this discussing obscure or less than memorable and unremarkable former reds warms my heart for there are so many to talk about. That's actually sad, Rich. It's actually sad that as Reds fans, this is something that we like to talk about. But I'm with you. I agree 100%. Okay, who is uh, each of your favorite obscure slash less than memorable and unremarkable former Reds? Now, what I like here is that Rich is not satisfied with our description as of them as obscure former Reds. He insists on calling them, which is actually a, a more descriptive phrase but or title, obscure slash less than memorable and unremarkable former Reds. I love it. Uh, who's your favorite with the worst batting average or ERA in their illustrious career? Oh, gosh. Um, you know, there's far too many to choose from. Far too many to choose from. Um, can can I go with uh, Albert Almora? 
can I go with, uh, you know, let's see, Matt Reynolds? What about, uh, what about, uh, you know, Erebus Garcia or Stuart Fairchild or Austin Romine or Michael Papierski or Chucky Robinson? What about Michael Ciani or Mar- Mark Colasvari? Chris Oakey, Taylor Motter. What about JT Riddle or Ronnie Dawson? There you go. That's just from the 2022 Cincinnati Reds. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, Nate, what do you have? That's just a hit. That's just hitters. I didn't even go into the pitchers. No, I don't want to touch on Ian Jabot whatsoever. <laughs> you don't you don't want to touch on Ian Jabot? Really? I don't want to feel the bow. <laughs> what about the Dennis? Uh, no, 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 no. You have a moving on. A, <laughs> yes. Do you have a an obscure slash less than memorable and unremarkable former red that you want to point out? No, I'm just afraid that in a couple of years that answer is going to be Nick Senzel. I don't want it to be. Oh, no, 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 never. Uh, my real answer to that question is Dan Bilardello. I've just, his name, Dan Bilardello, has always been my favorite. It's a good one. My favorite obscure slash less than memorable and unremarkable former red. Rich, thank you, man. You are incomparable, and we always appreciate your question. If somebody calls you obscure, like, hey, man, like, I didn't know that you lived in this town. That's kind of obscure. It's one thing, but if they look you dead in the eyes and call you unremarkable. <laughs> That's worse, isn't it? It just cuts deeper. <laughs> it's awful. So uh, someday I'm going to be probably an obscure. I guess I would have to say I'm going to be an obscure. And uh, I'll be less than memorable and unremarkable former podcaster. I think that's probably coming at some point. So I, I can't argue with it, with that description. All right, uh, viewer mail questions from, uh, oh, wait a minute. You know what? I missed a viewer mail question earlier when we were doing the uh, the uh, Nick Solak discussion. That comes from our friend Joe Farsing, one of the hosts of the wildly popular The Riverfront Bengals Show, wildly popular amongst a certain demographic. His question is this, Nick Solak is the missing piece. Discuss. I mean, that's I not a question. Really need, it's not really <laughs> a question, right? And it's so obvious as to not even merit discussion. Obviously, he's the missing piece that's going to get the Reds to uh, double digits in losses. He moves the Reds from 100 losses, maybe to 98, nah, probably 99. Well, he, 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 now, of course, he's never been a really a one-win player in his career, but that's what I'm going to say. He, he's the missing piece to keep the Reds from losing 100 games. Jerry Sadoff, non-Reds question for Chad. Now, Jerry, I got to tell you before we start here that I'm seriously upset with you, and I'll explain why, but I'm seriously upset about this question because I do encourage any of your mail questions about uh, movies uh, or films, as I call them when I'm trying to be pretentious. I, I, I appreciate uh, uh, movies, and I watched uh, some good movies this week, as a matter of fact. I uh, watched one yesterday, Nate. Have you ever seen this one? First time I ever saw it. I don't know how it took me so long, but... Um, Escape from New York. Oh gosh, yeah. I've never seen that. I don't know how. Kurt Russell. That's John Carpenter film. That whole Kurt Russell era, he was just untouchable. Well, I saw the thing, uh, John Carpenter's The Thing, for the first time a couple weeks ago, and I mm. said, "How have I never seen Escape from New York?" So I made a point to watch it. And oh, it's glorious. It's awful in some ways. I mean, it's just campy, nineteen eighties too much, but it's, it's just exactly glorious. what it's supposed to be. Yeah, yeah, no. nailed it. Yeah, Big fun, fun from China. beginning. Let's go. That's right. Yeah. Um, Turner and Hooch? No, is that? <laughs> no, who's in the dog. 
Tango and Cash. <laughs> he was in Tango and Cash, not, not Turner and Hooch. That was Tom Hanks and that dog, I think. So anyway, the question from our buddy Jerry is this. Uh, Non-Reds question for Chad. My wife and I recently watched Barry Lyndon, my favorite Stanley Kubrick mo movie. She was not impressed with it, saying that if a movie was three hours long, that it better have hobbits in it. All right. Now, see, you're trying to stack the deck against your wife there. I, did she really say that? Because his question is, as someone who's a movie fan, can you please tell me which one of us you agree with on the, the, the movie Barry Lyndon? Either it's uh, his favorite Kubrick movie, and she thinks that if it's three hours long, it should have hobbits in it. And so, uh, uh, yeah, I'm not getting into the hobbits thing because I get attacked every time I mention the, the garbage Lord of the Rings movies. Um, I just, I did it again. Um, so here's, here's the, my confession. I have seen a number of uh, Stanley Kubrick movies. Nine of them, actually, uh, it, it looks like. I, Barry Lyndon's next on my list, but I've not seen Barry Lyndon yet. It's on my watch list. I've never seen Barry Lyndon. I'm a huge fan of Stanley Kubrick. I don't know how I've not met it yet, but I think the length of it kind of, you have to, have to have some time to devote to it, so I haven't seen it yet. Um, so I'm sorry. I'm going to watch it this week, and I will report back to you. So make sure to prompt me again with that question so I don't forget it uh, next week or the week after because I'm going to try to sit down and watch it. Uh, what's the what's the best Stanley Kubrick movie, Nate? Do you have any any thoughts on that? I'll give you some options if you want me to. The Shining? Not Eyes Wide Shut. Oh, come on. Eyes Wide Shut was great. It's not The Shining for sure because that woman is so terrible. Oh gosh, we've had that. We had this conversation <laughs> offline not too long ago. Oh, get out of here. I can't remember her name. Oh, it's uh, it's Shelly Duvall. Shelly Duvall, she's That's great it. in that. She's fantastic. Um, um, it's it's the one where uh, orange, I agree, orange something. Ah, <laughs> uh, clockwork, clockwork, clockwork orange. Clockwork orange. That's it. I couldn't yes. find it. There are a number that I would argue are in the mix for his best. Uh, 2001 A Space Odyssey, I would include the, the Shinning. Mm -hmm. uh, clockwork, a Clockwork Orange is Insanity. Full Metal Jacket. Oh, yeah. Yeah, one that most people haven't seen, but I love it. Five stars. Paths of Glory. Starts Kurt Ooh, Gunn. that's the one with uh, Napoleon Dynamite and Will Ferrell, right? That, I, think that's, I think it's Blades of Glory. Oh. Paths of Glory was Kirk Douglas, 1957. And it's just amazing. Um, and then the other one that I might argue is uh, Dr. Strangelove. That or is on my stop list. And, yeah, or how I learned to stop worrying and, and love the bomb. Um, so those are all, all great movies. Stanley Kubrick is amazing. And you should go watch everything he's done, including Barry Lyndon, which I will. And I, I really apologize, Jerry. I feel like I've let you down. I claim to be a movie fan, and I wasn't uh, enough of a movie fan to, to answer that question. So... Saw Tar this I thought, week. I misread the question. I thought I thought Barry Lyndon was a uh, obscure former Red. <laughs> he might be. We don't know that. We don't know. <laughs> was so Tar the, any good? Uh, Tar was. Uh, yeah, it was good. It was good. I need to see it again. I need to see it again. Um, I watched uh, the Banshees of Inisherin as well. Have you heard of that one? I have seen the previews for that one, and it is really, really high on my list. I love every person involved in that. It is amazing. It is um, directed by and written and directed by a guy named Mark McDonough. And the stars are Brendan Gleeson and Colin Farrell. Colin Farrell, of course, the uh, the penguin uh, from the latest <laughs> Batman movies. That's how you, that's how you know him. Um, but those two were in a, in a movie directed by Mark, Martin McDonough a few years ago called In Bruges. It's one of the best movies I've ever seen. It's just it's yeah, fantastic. One of my favorites. 
yeah, delightful. And so this movie is, is I can't explain it because it's, well, here's, here's the basic, it's, it's set in Ireland. Two lifelong friends. One of them just decides to wake up one day and decide he doesn't want to be a friend with the other. And it goes from there. And it's just, it's, it's at times funny. It's shocking at times. But anyway, the Banshee, great name for a movie too. The Banshees mm-hmm. of Inishirin. So that's our. Those two just have such obvious palpable chemistry. Yes. That and, as soon as I found out that they were going to be in another movie together, it's like, just take my money, take it all. Yeah, we should have saved this conversation for our upcoming movie podcast, Nate. Why did why did they, we not do that? Because you refused to move the ball forward on that one, despite my best efforts and my constant needling. Well, it was mostly just had... drunk text. <laughs> you came up with a, a, a decent idea that I'm going to sit down and try to make a list of potential uh, episodes uh, based on your idea. Eh, we, we may move that ball forward at some point. Can we answer one more viewer mail question? This is again from Seth Shainer. He asked one last week. That was the one earlier. And now he's he, this week. I'm reading Jeff Perlman's Bo Jackson book. And I can't help but remember being a 10-year-old watching the 1989 All-Star game and seeing Bo uncork that long home run to center field with Eric Davis barely giving chase. I got to see enough of Bo given the time uh, that I can't say I have regrets about missing his career except for the fact the Bengals ended his football career and severely hampered his baseball career. But it got me thinking, what non-red do you wish you had seen more of when he played? For me, it's always been George Brett. Now, two things. Number one, Seth uh, and uh, is uh, subscribed to the Rich Thompson school of let's see how long a uh, question I can write, which is fine. <laughs> I'm not, you know, so I'm not, I'm not objecting to it. But uh, you know, a couple of you decide to write a little bit. That's fine. And the reason why it's fine is it's a great question. This is a fantastic question. Which non-red do you wish you'd seen more of when he played? Now, the, I'll. I'm going to start. That's not really my answer, I don't think. But I'll say George Brett is probably a little bit before your time, uh, Nate, I guess. But George Brett's way up there for me. That guy was just uh, amazing uh, when I was growing up. Uh, Kansas City Royal, obviously Hall of Famer. So he's in the mix. Does someone jump out to you, Nate, off the top of your head as, as the one guy you really wish you'd seen more of? I wish I could have seen Pedro Martinez pitch in person. That little like, three-year run where he was the best pitcher alive. That would have been pretty special. Um, other than that, I was a big uh, Jabba Chamberlain fan. <laughs> Surely not Jabba Chamberlain. Wow. I um, would definitely want to make sure that we uh, somehow prioritize seeing Mike Trout because that could easily be the answer very soon, and that would be a shame. Well, that's so that was one of my uh, two answers, actually. A current, I had a current day right. one and sort of an older one. No, no, you're right. And it's not like I can't watch it every night. You know, we have, we have him over TV and we're able to, but I always feel like every year I'm like, I have to make a point to watch more of him this year because we may never see a player like him. It's kind of the way we feel like Joey Votto. We're not going to see a player like him in a regional form for a long time. So, but I don't prioritize watching him enough, mostly because that team is garbage. But really, with he and Shohei the last couple of years, that should have been appointment viewing given uh, how the Reds have looked. Um, my other guy that I was going to say is from when I was a kid, and I, I've always said this was my favorite player as a kid that didn't play for the, or, or no, the way I put it is the one guy when I was growing up that I wish played for the Reds more than any other guy that I watched. And that was Mike Schmidt for the uh, horrible, horrible Philadelphia Phillies, but hall of fame, third baseman power hitter. And for some reason growing up, I think it's cause I had a buddy who was uh, a big Phillies fan, I guess, but I always just sort of uh, salivated over, uh, over Mike Schmidt. And uh, he was my second favorite Philly of that time uh, behind the immortal Vaughn Hayes. Anybody remember Vaughn Hayes? Let me know in the, in the chat. 
I guess. But anyway, Mike Schmidt, you know, that, again, that's before your time a little bit. And that's when I was a kid. But that dude was just uh, just a great mustache. Hit dingers. He was great. So there we go. Nate, um, you know, we've sort of uh, we sort of exhausted it here. Anything else you want to say? Not really. I hope we have more to talk about next week. Um, if anybody wants to hear some football nonsense, come over and check us out on the Bengals show, the uh, very cleverly na- cleverly named the Riverfront Bengals show. And yeah, man, we'll uh, we'll keep having fun one way or another. And I hope to be able to join you over there again uh, here soon, Nate, because uh, you all are having way too much fun. So I need to come and and kind of put a damper on that a little bit, uh, crack down on all the. Uh, shenanigans happening over there. Uh, no, I think it's going to be an interesting offseason in some ways. If nothing else, we're going to be able to see how this team's going to take shape, if they're going to take shape. And I don't know, get a little bit more insight into what the quote-unquote plan is, because I'm presuming there is a plan, right? Yeah, that's a big part of it. We uh, Every day that goes by, we're a day closer to when we're all cautiously optimistic that the Reds will be good again, and every decision made this offseason is going to you know, affect that timeline in some way. So we'll keep bringing it to you. I guess. I guess. Hey, Nate, what do you think about No Shave November? It's No Shave let, November. Let it go. I want to see a No Shave winter for you. I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, no one no one needs to see that. All right. Uh, thanks to everyone for listening and supporting The Riverfront. Please remember to subscribe to the show either on YouTube or in your favorite podcast app. Follow, subscribe, whatever they call it there. Uh, you can find us on all social media platforms. Well, not all of them, uh, but Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We're at Riverfront Cincy, at Riverfront Cincy on all those. And once again, huge thank you to our supporters at patreon.com slash Riverfront Cincy. This show literally would not be possible without our Patreon family. And we would absolutely love for you to uh, to join in our hijinks. Just go to patreon.com slash Riverfront Cincy or click the link in the show notes. All right, Nate. Good talking to you again, buddy. Take it easy. For Nate Dotson and Quentin McCracken, this is Chad Dotson saying so long, everyone.